Good morning. Glad to see you all here. I was a little bit worried this morning out, the, uh, out with uh, eating my sausage uh, and bread. I was like, oh, there's not many people here. I mean, there's a lot of things happening uh, this week. It's been, it looks like it's a busy weekend. And I was looking at it, I'm like, oh, it's not too many people. Uh, but it's good to see that um, you may have had a slow start this morning, but at least you're here and it's good to see you. Um, and I'm glad you're here. Uh, because we are starting a new series, um, Starting Point, and we're um, starting with to be there at the start. There's nothing worse. Uh, I might be out and I come home and she, she started a new TV show, all right? and she's like, I don't know, five episodes in, and it's like, what? But and I'm trying to watch, and I'm like, it looks good, but I'm so lost. And uh, so it's good that you're here because you get the start, and, uh, and we're going to set up um, this new series over the next couple of weeks. Starting point. So everything has a starting point. Everything has a starting point. You have a starting point, whether that was on purpose or a, uh, a surprise. Uh, you had a starting point. Education has a starting point. Everybody starts somewhere. In fact, our Year 12s, um, they had their last day yesterday uh, of school. I mean, they've still got exams, but they're coming towards the end of their journey, uh, which means something great's going to happen because they're going to start something anew, whether that's more education, maybe it's uh, they're going to start straight into their career, or maybe they're going to go on an adventure uh, and they're going to start an adventure. Relationships. They have a starting point, whether it's your friends, your significant other, they have a starting point, and obviously your careers, and there's plenty of other things that have starting points as well, but I just thought I'd just pick on a few of the, um, the big ones just to put up there uh, this morning. The most common thing we start, however, is relationships. And it's whether it's a new friendship or whatever, um, that's always happening. You're always meeting new people. And there's one question that you always ask when you're starting a new uh, relationship or friendship. And I guess it's going to lead us to the point. So if you, you know, fall asleep through the, uh, the rest of the sermon and you miss the ending, or maybe it's an emergency and you've got to duck out, I'm going to give you the point straight up right now so that you get it. And then this is where we ask when we start um, a new friendship, you might be standing around, um, you know, you know, I th- I'm, you know, I'm obviously an educator, so, you know, I'm thinking at lunchtime, you know, you're starting, you're like, oh, who's that? Who's that over there? I don't know, you're asking a friend, who is that? That's the question you ask usually first, before you go and introduce yourself, and hi, I'm David, and what's your name, and what do you do, and all that sort of thing. The first question is, who is that person? You might have a, well, I think, again, I think of my students, uh, and, you know, they go, oh, they're sitting at lunch, and they go, who's that? Who's that teacher over there? You know, the one with the beard, the glasses. I don't wear my glasses today, but he teaches maths. And, the, you know, the other friend's like, oh, that's Mr. That's Mr. That's Mr. Nusky. Nah, you sure? I think it's Mr. Hedges. He's the cool one. <laughs> we often uh, get, get mixed up. 
But the question is, who is that? And so the point this morning that we're going to get to is, who is Jesus? That's where this is leading to, the starting point. Who is Jesus? That's the question that we're going to be asking right at the end. And we're going to go on a bit of a journey as to why we need to ask that question. Your faith has a starting point. It's like a relationship as well a relationship with God. And so it has a starting point. And maybe it started when you were a child. Um, Maybe it started with a childhood faith and you were given some building blocks, some basic building blocks, and that kind of developed and you got them from your parents. Maybe you got them from um, a pastor. Maybe you got them from a teacher, a friend. But you were given some building blocks to start with. And those building blocks could have looked something um, like this, and you know, we're calling it the framework for faith, but this is maybe your childhood one, and that's, you know, not everybody has heard about, you know, being a Christian from a child. Maybe it's you now, maybe you're new and you're wanting to find out, like, how do I become a Christian? Where do I start? And so, when I think about, you know, a childhood uh, framework, we have these questions, you know, or these building blocks. God is good. We're told God is good. Bible stories tell us God is good, you know. God loves the little children. There's songs about it. And you probably maybe even know them. God loves the little children. And God answers prayers. And that's our basic building blocks. Most of you have probably heard of these. You probably you know, even still believe them. And these are all true. These are all true statements. And as a child, we're like, yes, we love this. Yes, ah, oh, we love all of these promises. These are excellent. And then as we develop into adults, we start to... The, the world starts to chip away at that. We get hit with some, some big things. Uh, and I often think about, I have, um, I have a relative, and um, I can tell they're searching. They've been, they were raised um, a, uh, an Adventist, um, and they're now, we've got adults, or they're an adult themselves, because they ask me questions. Because they know I go to church, and you know, I work at a, a Christian school, and they say, but David, if God is good, why is there so much bad in this world? And maybe you've asked that question as well. If God is good, why is there so much bad? And if God loves all the little children, why is there so many that are hungry? Why are there so many that, you know, it's a great question. God answers prayers. He does. But what happens when you pray for so long, for so hard on something, and it just doesn't seem to be happening? It just doesn't seem to be answering that prayer and you may have um, asked some of these prayers. You know, you may have prayed some of these prayers. You know, heal my mum, heal my dad. You know, help me with this, help my friend with that. And it just doesn't seem to be being answered. And they're all good questions. It's not that those statements there aren't true. But as we come into an adult and we get hit with the world's troubles and problems, some of these things can take a hit and to the point where they can chip away almost entirely. And it can be very easy to throw out them all and just say, nah, it's not happening, so I don't, I don't believe them anymore. Nah. And your childhood framework gets torn down and you're left with nothing. And that's really sad because we can develop these. These are all true. You know, I've seen all of these happen. I'm sure you've seen all of these statements happen as well, as in he does love them and he, God is good and he does answer his prayers. But we just need to develop that childhood framework 
so that it can t stand the test um, of our adult world, of the things that happen, because it gets a little bit more complex. The answer is not so simple. When I'm talking to my relative and he's asking those questions, I do my best. I'm not a philosopher. I'm not. Uh, I'm sure someone wiser could make a sermon out of each of, or a message out of each of those. You know, we're not going to cover that and go into those today. But I do my best to try and answer those to show him that it's a little bit more complex than just those statements there. So we need to develop our framework. And as an educator, uh, we call new learning or education scaffolding. All right? We're building on something from something else. All right? There's some scaffolding there for any of you, the builders. We can't get up and build this complex building without some scaffolding. We just can't reach the top. So we've got some basics, and then we need to build upon them. We need to develop them so that we can see a, the complex picture. And I think of an example, um, again, um, as a teacher, if we're trying to teach children something, and some of you have children, uh, and so know, uh, you know how this needs to be done, but if you're trying to teach um, a child about the concept of air, so we, we take something as simple as air, uh, we might start with air is what we breathe. Okay, and that is true. Air is something that we breathe and we need it to live. All right, and it's true. And then as they get a bit older and they develop a little bit more, we might add to it. All right, and we add to it and we say, look, uh, we have trees and trees also need air. And what they do is they clean the air because what we breathe out is not so good. And what we need to breathe in is good, and trees clean the air by breathing in the bad stuff, and they take out, and they give us good stuff to, to breathe. And so we've slowly developed that a bit more. And then once they've understood that, and they get a bit older, or whatever it is, and they get some more understanding, we go, oh, well, actually, air is made up of oxygen, and carbon dioxide, and nitrogen, and the trees take the carbon dioxide, and using photosynthesis, they convert that back into some more oxygen, and... And it gets more complex than just we need air to breathe, to live. Right? So we're building upon that, and we're building that understanding. And so that's what we need to do with our faith. We need to develop it. All right? And sometimes when we're um, redoing our, or rebuilding our faith, um, because we can have ebbs and flows in our spiritual walk, Either we're maybe rebuilding from scratch, maybe we need to do a restart, or maybe our childhood faith is serving us well, but we just need to develop a little bit more. And that's what we're going to look at today. So there's those three again. There's our basic ones. So in the Bible is a, is a statement we often use, in the Bible, and stories and history. And often when I have, in my own walk, a little bit of an ebb and flow, it's like, ah. Oh, you know, if I'm not feeling so close to God, I'm like, all right, I need to, I need to restart. Okay, what am I going to do? Oh, I'll just, I'll go back to my Bible. I'm going to start from Genesis. I want to read, sometimes I want to read the whole Bible. And it's a big book, and as a Christian, I feel like I should read the whole Bible. Uh, and I'm like, well, I'll just start at the beginning, Genesis. And that's really cool. And maybe, maybe many of you have tried to start and read the Bible as well. And often we start in Genesis. And it's really cool because we have creation Creation's cool, we've got Adam and Eve, and then, you know, we have Noah and all that, and 
we get through, and then you hit about Genesis 11, and you hit the begats. And you probably know about the begats. Uh, and uh, I better read my page because they get a little bit complicated. But what do we have here? We have uh, Shem begat Afraxad, who begat Salah, and quickly you're asleep. So you had all this great stuff, and then you hit the begats, and you're like, <clears throat> gone. All right? And then it's a bit hard to get restarted again. So I've tried that. Maybe you've tried that. So then, okay, maybe next time around I go, okay, I need to try something different. Right, maybe I'm going to start in the Gospels. I'm going to start with the stories of Jesus. And that's a bit better. I get through a few more of those, and that's great. I learn about Jesus and all the different accounts and you know, all the miracles and all that sort of thing. Um, and maybe you read through those and you're thinking, that's a great, that's a great Bible story. There's some different perspectives from all the different disciples. That's really cool. Um, maybe you've never read the Gospels. All right? And if you haven't read the Gospels, where do you start? Because when we think about it, there's been Christians for many, many, many years. And this morning, we're going to look at um, one of the accounts, and that is Paul. Because Paul's a really interesting character. And again, there can be a whole message on Paul who was Saul of Tarsus, and there's a bit of a name change there. So he's a really cool character, or really cool person to, to look at his journey, because Paul didn't have the Bible. All right? They had the Torah, all right? and they had some of the Scripture, but it wasn't called the Old Testament. And they definitely had, didn't have the New Testament, because the New Testament was being written as they lived. They were living it. So he couldn't just say, oh, can you just turn to Matthew in your Bibles and we're going to read about the story of Jesus. They didn't have that. Right? And the thing about Paul is he actually never met Jesus physically that we know of. Right? This happened a little bit after Jesus' crucifixion. Um, he never met him physically. He met him spiritually and he heard his voice. Right? But he did spend time with a lot of the disciples. So people that actually knew Jesus, not your mum's friend on your mother's side, cousins, heard about a story about this bloke, actually hung out, spent time with people who were with Jesus and saw what happened. That's who Paul hung out with. And if you go into his story a little bit more, Paul was blinded. He was blinded on his way to Damascus, and this is just a quick overview, again, could be a whole message in here. He heard the voice of God, and he, he turns from actually hunting down Christians, because that's what he was doing. He heard about this new, the way uh, message that was being preached, and he's like, nah, not happening. I'm going to hunt these people down, stop this, squash it. All right? So he was actually hunting them, and then he was blinded on the way. He heard the voice of God, and through a whole, different pro whole, whole process, he ends up becoming a Christ follower himself. So that's, the, that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. And we're going to be looking at how he interacted with people who didn't have the Bible, who'd never met Jesus physically, and how did he go about starting them off on their new faith. And hopefully, that might help you and help me. So if you want to join, I've got the scripture up on the, on the, um, on the PowerPoint here, but Acts 17, uh, 16 is what we're going to start with. And so Paul's doing a lot of traveling around with some of um, these friends, some of them are disciples, and they're going around to different places, um, sharing the good news. 
And he lands himself or finds himself in Athens, Greece. All right? And he's just chilling there, just sitting, just waiting for a mate, just waiting. And uh, while he's waiting and sitting there, he's looking around in Athens. And he's greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols, full of idols. They had idols for everything. They had altars, they had, you know, for the, I don't know, for the sun, for money, for fertility, for, you know, everything, all right? They were full of idols. And so he's like, okay, clearly something's happening here. Clearly there's some thinkers here. I'm going to go walk around, and I'm just going to start having a chat with, really, whoever wants to have a chat with me. All right, so he's in Athens, and he's walking around, and he starts to engage people in conversations. Now there's philosophers there, really deep thinkers, who are pondering all about the, the universe itself and what's going on and what's happening and how do we explain this and how do we explain that. And he also just comes across everyday people in the marketplace. And he's just having a chat to them, telling them about the good news of God and Jesus. And some of them are like, what the heck is he talking about? Because they've never heard of this. So if we go over and we look at... Um, Acts 17 and 19. Then they took him. So he's been talking to a few of them. So some of them want to listen. So he's talking to a few. And a few of those people are like, we need to just grab him and bring him to um, Aerotagus. I hope I say that right. Um, And they say to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. It's new to them. They've never heard it before. They haven't read it in the Bible They have no clue what is he talking about. But some of them are interested. They are interested because some of them are deep thinkers and some of them are like, oh, we kind of like what you're saying, but we need to know more. So they take him here. I'm not going to say it again. Uh, But it's actually a place, of course, because we're recounting actual history history here and not not the big castle that you can see there. Uh, The rock. The rock here... Um, just in the foreground is where they take him. And it's where they would take people to make big decisions. All right? They take him here to make big decisions because they want to hear, do they like what he's saying? And if so, are we going to accept it and allow him to continue to say what he is saying, to, to teach what he is teaching, this new idea about this new God? Okay, So he's walking around... And uh, they've taken him here. It's not in the Bible. They can't see it. There is no Bible. They're making the New Testament here. And so while he's here on this rock formation, in the picturesque country of Athens, he says, People of Athens, I see that every way you are very religious because they've got all their idols. You can see that. He can see that they're thinking. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription. To an unknown God. He says, I found this one to an unknown God. Hmm. Interesting. Why do you have this? 
Why do you have this? Who is this for? Who's this altar for? It's for the unknown God. And they're like, yeah, yeah it's just because, it's just like, yeah, we know there's, well, we think there's ones, all these gods for all these other things. But just in case, just in case we missed one, we've got it spare. It's like, you know, if they rock up one day, we're covered. All right? It's like their insurance policy. All right? And my wife, she often gives me grief about this because I like NRL tipping. I'm going to digress a little bit. I follow the NRL, the footy. <laughs> and uh, good one, Jared. <laughs> and uh, I follow the tipping. I like the Cowboys. But in past seasons, you know, they haven't been playing so well. They played pretty good last season. And uh, anyway, I digress. Um, and so I'm in a tipping comp with some friends. And when the, when the odds are a little bit too close, like, I want to support my team, but I also want to win. I'm a bit competitive. So if it's a bit close, I'll tip the other team and, I'll, and I'm barracking for the Cowboys. Because then what happens is if the Cowboys win, yes, they win. And I feel good. All right, but if they lose... It's okay, I got my tip right, all right? So I'm, I'm happy either way. It's a just-in-case sort of scenario, all right? And that's what the Athenians are doing sort of here. Like, we think we've got it covered, all right? We're, we're fairly confident, but just in case, all right, we've got this, all right? And maybe we do that with some other things, and maybe, you know, it might not be tipping, but it could be something else in your life that you're like, just in case I'm wrong, we've got this, and we're covered, all right? And so Paul kind of, you know, kind of calls him out on this, and he goes, you're, think, you're, you're deep thinkers. Um, and if you look at the verse, he calls him ignorant. But what he's really trying to say here is that you're guessing. You're not sure. You're guessing. It's just in case. Because right? if you were certain, you wouldn't have that altar. And they're like, yeah, we're guessing. Yeah, you, you, you're right. Okay? So you're guessing. Acts 17, 23 to 24. So Paul says, this is what I'm going to proclaim, proclaim, oh, sorry, proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He says, look, I'm going to tell you about this unknown God. You're halfway there. You've got it, but I'm going to tell you who it actually is for. So he's got an in. They're questioning. They're, they want to know. They're deep thinkers. They're thinking about this. And he's found his in. All right? And so he says, he says this. He tells them about the God who made the universe and the earth. And he is not served by human hands, as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. So Paul starts talking about this God, about who he is, what he's done, that he doesn't need anything, but he wants to give you something else. All right? It's sounding pretty good to the Athenians. And God did this so that 
we would seek, and he says they, but we would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. So he's really trying to explain to these Athenians that there is someone there. You've, you're, just, you're so close. All right? And he's explaining who it is. For, and we skip a little bit here, but for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man. Now, he's already talked about the man, all right? and I'm just going to pause there. The man is Jesus, just to be clear. Um, he's already explained it to the Athenians. He's talked about that you know, there's God and Jesus who's come. And the man appointed, he was, uh, he's given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. So he goes, it's all good. I've told you about God. I've told you about the universe. I told you he doesn't need anything. He can't be contained by anything. And he's given us Jesus. And one day he will judge us. But it's okay. I've given you proof. And we've done that by raising him from the dead. And they're like, what? Okay. They're not sure because when you raise from the weird to them, all right, when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others, others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. Of course some of them sneered. All right? This is not a Bible story where you know, he tells them about the resurrection, this brand new topic, and they go, that's it. You've convinced us. We're burning all the altars. We're destroying everything. This is the way. This is the one we're following. Everyone is on board. Yep, let's go. No. This is a real story. This is what's happening. Some of them sneered. They're like, nah, dead people, they stay dead. Move on, go away. But others were like, we want to hear more about this. We want to know more. We want to know more. And so we quickly come to the point. The point of all of what Paul was trying to do. So Paul starts with the fact that God cares. He goes to the point that God has revealed himself through Jesus. And if you have a hard time believing it, of course. Of course you do, because dead people stay dead. Right? They didn't have the Bible to have all the other accounts of Matthew, Luke, and John to corroborate the story of Paul. They didn't have that. This is just Paul rocking up to people who have no idea, never heard about it, and he's just recounting what has happened from the eyewitnesses that he has been spending time with. Paul goes and tells that he's, they've proved it. He's proved it by resurrecting him from the dead. All right? And he's raised him from the dead. He is the saviour. He is the Lord of all. And that is the starting point of the Christian faith. That is the question that he leaves the Athenians. He gives them a taste. He gives them a bit of an explanation. He knows that they're questioning. He knows that they want to know more. He gives them a taste. And then he says, I'm going to leave you there. Have a ponder. Have a think about who is Jesus. All right, so the question that we, I'm going to leave you with this morning and the question that you may want to ask yourself if you're trying to restart your faith 
right? and it's a series, so it's going to be expanded on a bit more, but the starting point for this morning is when we leave here, we want to be asking ourselves, who is Jesus? Who is that man? And who do you think Jesus is? What did he do? We're not going to answer it this morning. Just like Paul, we're going to leave it here, and we're going to let, as the series go on, um, a few of these questions come up. But who is Jesus? Who is that? And who is he to me? I'd just like to pray for you this morning. Lord, we thank you that we can come here. We're all at different stages. Sometimes we are, feel like we're on mountaintops with you, and sometimes we're in valleys. And sometimes the world can chip away at um, our faith and, and what we believe, um, and sometimes we just need a restart. Sometimes we just need to build a, a new framework, develop something new so that we can have a strong faith that we can have something that's going to test, um, test us and survive when we get hit by um, the world and, and what it throws at us. So I just pray that you be with us and we thank you for um, this recount from, from Paul and, and this example of, of how he went out and tried to share the good news to those who've never heard it before. Never heard it. They didn't have the Bible. They didn't have Jesus. He was gone. He'd left the earth. He was back. But they had this awesome message. You, you Jesus, and your resurrection. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen.